Let's talk about death. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm Julian. I'm Tom. We are Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast, here to talk about Season 2, Episode 10. We are also Team Binge. The name of this episode, Tom, is? It's No Weddings and a Funeral. Very no, original title. No, very original <laughs> title. No one has used that title before, and it's not a play on any other title. Nope. Not at all. Have you ever seen Four Weddings and a Funeral? Uh, all I know is that Hugh Grant's in it, and I'm sure it's fantastic, but I've never I'm seen it. sure he bumbles through it with the grace of Hugh Grant, <laughs> um, also the grace of Cary Grant. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us. The themes for this episode are death. <laughs> There's a little bit of hiccup in Roy and Keeley's relationship, which mm -hmm. I thought was more playful through the episode, but then at the end, it kind of stuck you, and yeah. you're like, wait. Are we going to have serious issues with these two? Because, anyways, we'll Very get much. into it a little yeah. bit. Uh, Sam and Rebecca, obviously their love grows stronger and stronger each day. Uh -huh. And then it dies, <laughs> which is also a theme of this episode. <laughs> and Ted has some more therapy, mm -hmm. which is good. I'm glad he's getting therapy. Yeah. I feel like it's all well, the steps we've taken is, is to this point of him, like, officially talking to Dr. Sharon and kind of like, getting out his inner demons or whatever and kind of well i got the sense that they were doing regular therapy like he'd kind of committed to it after but i think it was kind of surface level like until ted admitted to dr sharon about like the passing of his father and sure. that experience i think that was kind of ted's trigger for like okay like i'm gonna dive to the deep end i think a lot of it was maybe like him dipping his toe into the water and, and seeing what that therapy relationship was going to be because we know he was skeptical and now that was him Going full bore. Sure, I guess we don't know the time lapse from no. him admitting, or at least telling her about his father's suicide, and him in this episode having a session. Well, based on Nate's hair, it's probably like been like twenty years. Why Nate do you say that, Tom? I don't understand that comment. Because <laughs> Nate's hair is like really gray now for some reason. Did you not notice this? Um, I. I don't know that I did. No, I didn't Nate's notice got, this. like, he had jet black hair in previous episodes, and now he's got, like, a touch of gray all over his hair. No, maybe he's using a touch of gray. <laughs> maybe. I'm assuming that's what that for, that puts more gray into your hair, right? It a does. touch of gray? Just a touch. That's what I've been doing to uh, my beard. Yeah. We used to have a video of this podcast, and you could see the gray in my beard, but <laughs> YouTube asked us to take it down. Can so, we agree, though, this is like, uh, this show is like the Game of Thrones of, of fathers, where it just starts to kill fathers like crazy. It just hates them. It's a show that loves fathers so much, it has to kill them. Are you <laughs> under the impression that Jamie's father is next? I don't know. Based on what happens in this show, I don't know. I'm assuming that would have been an interesting funeral. I'm assuming Earl the Greyhound was probably a father. Sure. <laughs> well, some say illegitimately. <laughs> yeah. of many pups that were running around the stadium. Oh, man. But if they did an episode about Jamie's father passing away, I think that would be an interesting... We don't know. Maybe maybe he did pass away from his uh, wounds from the uh, alley fight. <laughs> from when that WWF wrestler uh, yeah. beat him to a pulp. Yeah. Anyways, here we are. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We opened this episode not about death, but life. Mm -hmm. Two people making life. Yes. I believe that's what it's called. <laughs> Rebecca and Sam are in bed. They're both very beautiful. Obviously, this relationship has uh, blossomed. Uh, they're in bed together, so I'm assuming at some point they got married. <laughs> and they start to discuss whether or not they're going to tell people about the relationship. Sam wants to. Yeah, he's all for it. As most men would be who are in a relationship <laughs> with a beautiful woman. Yeah. And apparently Rebecca doesn't. 
because she's ashamed of Sam. I don't think ashamed is the right word. I think it's... it's... I use the word shame, Tom. <laughs> oh, shame. Shame or ashamed? Ashamed. Ashamed, yes. I don't think she's ashamed. I think she's just... Uh, it's, it's she a... doesn't want the team to know. Yeah, the, the boss business. dynamic. Sure. Yeah, I think she still has some hangups maybe with the age a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't think she's ashamed. Okay. So let's really dive into this, Tom. Gender's reversed. Yeah. I'm not going to get into it. All right. <laughs> so then uh, Sam goes down to a lot of nakedness in the kitchen being caught by people. Yeah. Although, I guess in Sam's situation, he's not naked. Yeah, he's almost, but not fully. Who was handsome? What was that guy? Handsome Luca? Uh, Wasn't that it? Yeah, it was Luca Luca. Luca Luca. <laughs> Hunka Luca, we used to call him. <laughs> So who arrives in the kitchen, Tom? Uh, it's Deborah. And Rebecca's mom comes in, which is great. Kind of catching her in, and then I think I love Sam acting, where she kind of makes. I can't remember what her line was, but the mom's line is something about being able to see the outline of Sam's parts. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> he's she's, he says something about I wish I wasn't wearing just my boxers or my briefs. And yeah. she corrects him. She like boxer briefs. <laughs> Um, but like Sam's acting as he like slowly starts to like move down lower. to lower uh, underneath the, the countertop and he kind of puts his shoulder on the edge and kind of looks around. It's fantastic. And then it's announced that Rebecca's father is dead. Yeah, it's like, with... oh, what's up with dad? Oh, he's dead. He's dead. There's a episode of 30 Rock where Jack Donaghy's par- or his father and his brother are trying to pull a con on him and they like it's like a broken relationship and all of a sudden they appear in his office and they're like, dad's dead. He wanted you to have his watch. And then later in the episode, the dad arrives and he's like, your brother's dead. He wanted you to have his watch. And so the con is being pulled on him two times. Every time someone walks into a room and announces a parent is dead, that's what I think about. Thank you, 30 Rock. The actress that plays Deborah, I don't think we went into this Mm. when she showed up in the other episode and found a different naked man in the kitchen. <laughs> yep. Luca Luca, Hunka Luca. <laughs> uh, she's played by actress Harriet Walter. Uh, and I looked her up. She's in a ton of like British stuff, PBS stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the like the big mainstream thing I would say was she was in The Force Awakens and she's like a rebel doctor that works on Chewie and Finn. <laughs> and she has like some snappy dialogue with them. Um, and she's also related to uh, Saruman from Lord of the Rings, whoever plays oh, Saruman. Chris, Christopher Plummer? Yeah, she's... Yeah, is it Chris Plummer? I thought it was yeah, a different Christopher. Oh, Christopher... We'll cut in the right yeah. name. Yeah, Tweet at us. Christopher Lee. She's like a great niece or something okay. of that actor. So um, an acti- acting family, likely. Acting family. All, I, I assume all British people are in theater <laughs> at one point or That's another. Fair. They either play football or they're in theater. Was she uh, in all of our Abbey? British, I think so. I, was I think say. she was in Downton Abbey. She had to be. <laughs> she was in Downton Abbey and Mr. Bean. Um, then we go from there to the well, office. I want to say real quick before we jump in. Oh, like, please, go the, ahead. The weird juxtaposition, my wife brought this up and I couldn't agree more. The weird juxtaposition of them saying, oh, by the way, your father's dead. And then it goes to uh, Rebecca's reaction and it's like, it's a big deal. And then it cuts to... Hey, you're not gonna be this yet. Oh, like the, the, the theme, theme music. The it's theme. just like super happy theme music to like somebody saying like a very terrible tragedy happened. It's super weird. Isn't that a comedic cut though? Like, hey, dramatic, sad, but the boom, show, you with the funny. Like, I don't know. This show does such a weird balance of drama and funny. Like, I feel like what we're supposed to, like, I don't think we're supposed to see this as a comedy moment. Well, I think 
maybe we're supposed to realize that she doesn't like her dad because another episode we she do. brings up that he's a terrible guy. When they announced he was dead, I'm not going to lie, I started laughing. The funniest <laughs> joke in the episode. So, But it. that's just where my sense of humor is at. Okay. I'm going to get letters about that one. <laughs> then after the theme song, as you pointed out. <laughs> yes, I can sing the whole thing if you want. No, I okay. do not want you to do that, but I appreciate you uh, singing. The... And, and no, we do not have Marcus Mumford in studio. That was me singing that. <laughs> We didn't. We didn't cut in the actual no. soundtrack. Although we should now. We don't want to get sued. <laughs> We're in the office, and Keely, Roy, Ted, Higgins, Nate, and Beard are all uh, okay. gathered. Mm-hmm. It's the Diamond Dogs plus others, and <laughs> they are discussing death. And Keely's like, "I wonder where you go when you die." And Roy's like, "Probably in the drawer of a funeral home." <laughs> Such which a was life. a great line. <laughs> Ted's like, oh, I used to think growing up that if you did good, you went to heaven, and if you did good, you go to hell. But well, now did, I realize... Did bad. You go to hell. He said good twice. Oh. If you did good, you go to heaven. If you did good, you go to hell. Well, maybe he went to a different church. I don't know. <laughs> you do good, you go to heaven. You do bad, you go to hell. But now I realize we do both, so I hope he's just happy. Yeah. Which is what it is. <laughs> And then Higgins, something tells me you don't you don't you don't like that uh, philosophy. I don't want everyone to be happy. <laughs> okay, that, that's what got you the most. Yeah, <laughs> people being too happy. Okay. Yeah, I don't want everyone to be happy. Certainly not in death. <laughs> Some people, anyways. To, then we're at Higgins, and anytime we can get a Cindy Crawford uh, uh, reference in, I just love it. It's tore me to tore me to pieces. His imagination is that heaven is where the animals in charge, <laughs> and we're the pets. And we're the pets. <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably be a pretty obnoxious pet, and if Bandit was in charge, he'd take revenge on me for all the times I shouted at him. You'd be a cat who would just be like sitting on like a table and just slowly pawing the glass off the table <laughs> while making eye contact. <laughs> That'd be you. Yep, I would be a terrible pet. You're right. <laughs> Nate would be a tiger killing his enemies, which was once again like a weird unnecessary let's continue to make nate like overly i don't know mean well, aggressive. i think what we've got in this episode like at the end where you get a little bit of rupert and nate having a conversation or whatever i feel like again they're trying to vilify nate and this is a step to it but this is the first notice of, of nate with the touch of gray uh, and i had to look this up because to me it like stood out like a sore, sore thumb i was okay. like what happened to nate during this time i thought they even might mention it um, well, I, I looked it up, and apparently it was intentional for the character, for, like what they're doing with Nate. Um, and apparently, did an, an interview with Nick Muhammad, and he said it was a combination of bitterness, guilt, shame, and stress with Nate's character, which I think is interesting because we've seen a lot, like some interesting moves with Nate this season, as we've talked about. Um, but like the bitterness, guilt, shame, and stress, those seem to stand out a little bit because I don't know if we've seen all of those yet. So you think he killed Rebecca's father? <laughs> Possible. <laughs> I I have I don't know how many times I have to say it. I just want this show to turn into a detective <laughs> procedural. Uh, and so if Nate killed someone, I'm all about it. Maybe Nate is the Tiger King. Twit. Mm. Possible. Did he kill someone? I'm pretty sure he's in jail for something. Yeah, probably for making love to all those tigers. <laughs> Spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> Beer talks about, this is uh, very interesting, and I didn't look it up to see if it's true. It feels like it has to be true for Beard to spout it off like so this. So specific. But 
weighing someone right before and after they die, they're 21.3 grams lighter, and that is the weight of the soul. <laughs> and then Roy's response being like, yeah, so that came from somebody who murdered somebody. Yeah, they... Weighed him for, murdered them, and then weighed him again. <laughs> yes. I would, I'm going to do some research on that, because I found that fact very fascinating. We then cut... and. So ultimately, in the office, uh, we don't determine what happens when we die. No. But by the end of this episode, we're going to solve it, my friend. Okay, I'm excited. We're going to get down to it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to give theories, and then we'll open the envelope and find out uh, what the real answer is. <laughs> we then go to the team locker room where uh, they are discussing going to the funeral. And Isaac is like, we're all going to go to the funeral. <laughs> it's great, Isaac. I don't know if that's... Uh... Wait, is that Kermit? Is Kermit? Yeah. Kermit's back. <laughs> You're a jerk. All right. And the big discussion point is here is that they're not allowed to wear trainers. Yes. Which I feel like it's in fashion to wear trainers with suits. I will, case in point, okay. next time you're watching NFL football and those dumb idiots that do the like halftime part where they're all standing around and there's like a big screen yeah. and they're like doing their talking points. Look at their shoes. Nowadays, a lot of them are in, like, white tennis shoes with suits. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh, I don't need it. Uh, they should be in dress shoes, uncomfortable, like the rest of us, for every Sunday morning for their entire childhood, just walking around in those big, uncomfortable clogs. Um, so they get into that debate, and that's very that's very funny. I feel like, I feel like yes, you could probably get away with wearing, like, a classy trainer or sneaker with it. But I love the way uh, Thoreau, or not Thoreau, um, Zorro, he's like, I'm going to wear Yeezys. Like, well, what kind? What color are they? Bright red. Yeah. Like, bright <laughs> no. red wouldn't go well in a, in a funeral. We learned uh, Zorro's first name, it I is. felt like, during and, and, this. And what is his first name, Julian? Uh, his first name is Tahiri. <laughs> Close. What is it? Thierry. Thierry. Thierry Henry. Okay. Or Thierry Zorro. Oof. Okay, I'm not going to attempt it. I believe you. Garay uh, was the other guy. I know that much. No, no, it's Rick Astley. Rick, Rick Astley. Oh, yeah. That's the other theme of this episode. Why didn't I hit that at the top? Then we're back at Mom's house, which Rebecca is uh, obviously staying in her bedroom. Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to ask Rebecca's age where we put Rebecca in terms of the age bracket? Maybe, I mean, I'm sure you can ask it, and not that I'm probably the have great a, person. Do you have a... Um, 40, maybe? 40, and you 40 say maybe because you think you're low or you think you're high? I think I'm right on. Okay. If I was a carnival guessing game, uh, I think I'd be right on. Okay. You get, what do I get? Plus or minus how many years? Okay. So the actress is, according to the internet, 47. Okay. So... I feel good with my guess, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I would have put her, like... 40s i guess what i'm getting at is she's in her childhood bedroom yeah. that is still decorated as a child's bedroom and i thought that was a really long time to i mean why not turn it into an exercise room why not fill it with exercise equipment you're not going to use that you just drape things on that's what the rest of us do where is their peloton that's covered in laundry that's what i want to know i mean we established that this house is rather large and they're rather well off so there's probably seven other rooms that have uh peloton un unused room. yeah pelotons um or a Bowflex. But, but I mean, they, they make mention of it, right? Like she, uh, Rebecca's... Um... Chuck Norris Total Gym. <laughs> I can keep going. Go on. 
the uh, the gazelle glider. Oh, wow. Oh, that guy was great. The ponytail guy. Yeah, the Ronco rotisserie grill. Mm. Not exercise equipment, but if you ate from it, <laughs> you looked fit. Just set it and forget it. Set then. it and forget it. <laughs> Maybe a magic bullet blender. I hope there's an entire wing of the house dedicated to made-for-TV <laughs> made for TV items. <laughs> oh, I would wonder that room. Uh, but no, Rebecca makes the comment, like, hey, you don't have to keep this room like it is. And I think the mom, like, is nostalgic for it. Sure. Um, it kind of reminds her of, you know, their earlier relationship. Right. I guess that's true, because we find out that they don't have a, a great one. Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up is playing in the background. Yep. Okay, so when I looked this episode up, they brought up Rick rolling. Yeah. And they brought up that this episode does it three times. And I did not get that number. And by they, I mean the internet. The internet's okay. typically right. Never wrong. I was wondering if playing it in the beginning, they were putting it as one of those three times. I know the actual time it happens is at the end of the episode. Yes. Like a Rick roll, like to me, a Rick roll is when you're doing something uh, or like you're pulling off some of the internet, you get an email, you, you, you're doing something different and then, boom, Rick Astley, the, the song kind of comes in. Which, right. to, me, to your point, the only point that happens in this show is the very end over the, the home video. Everything else, like, you can say, you cannot say Rebecca's getting Rickrolled right now by her mom. Okay, it's not, she's just playing music in the house. She's playing music in the house. Okay. It happens to be Rick Astley. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, you can't say it happened in the funeral because, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I guess you could say uh, Rebecca Rickrolled everybody in the funeral. Classic. Audience. She killed her father <laughs> so she could Rickroll the audience at his funeral. I mean, classic maybe. Rebecca. I can say maybe for that one based on the definite, the loose definition I just gave it. <clears throat> I, um, yeah, I didn't agree, agree other than that one point. I do want to mention that during the course of doing research for this podcast, I think I mentioned I got Rickrolled. <laughs> that was the first and only time in my life that it happened no, you, until this episode. That happened when you were on like Reddit going down some... I was on thread. Reddit trying to come up with they. Oh, it's when they're talking about uh, hotel rooms okay. and they make a joke and someone in Reddit's like, oh, it's based on this interview with Jason Sudeikis. Here's the link. I clicked the link. And Rick Astley started. So, do you think did me. that happen after this episode got released? Because we're obviously watching it a little bit. Well, delayed. that was episode. That was season one. So uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I do think that person on Reddit was before their time. Maybe it was the writer of uh, the show, who was just Maybe, going on Reddit, and Rick on rolling Reddit, people, just Rick rolling people. <laughs> Good for them. Maybe that inspired them. To it was do a that. long con, man. Just like the watch. Oh, the long con. <laughs> Apparently, mm. Rebecca's mom loves the song. She loves it. Good song, man. Uh, and she makes a comment. She's like, uh, looks like Rebecca's like super bit like people like this song. Then they've listened to it a lot. And then they hated this. Sure. Song. And this is where we first get uh, Deborah saying, you know, listen, once I love something, I love it forever. I love it forever. Uh, which is, you know, kind of a, a theme throughout. Um, about the, the stuff. Which is good for a person to have that type of habit. I think, I think some of us uh, ditch the things we like and love too yeah. quickly. Like uh, Michelle Lasso. Like Michelle Lasso. <laughs> In her marriage. That is correct. <laughs> Sassy climbs up the railing. <laughs> Our friend Sassy is back. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Sweet Sassy Molassie. She says something like, those Tracy Anderson workouts are having the right effect. I was like, who's Tracy Anderson? So what did I do? I got on the Google machine. Yep. I looked up Tracy Anderson. And? Tracy Anderson is a very fit woman who does workout videos and seems to be pretty popular uh and she's easy on the eyes <laughs> okay 
as my grandpa used to say <laughs> when he was talking about horses. Is that a British thing, or is Tracy Anderson like a, a worldwide phenomenon? I don't think I've ever heard. You of know, it. this is going to surprise you. Like the website plays like automatic videos. I didn't turn the sound on. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. So I don't know what that says about me. I don't know what that says about the video. It was a more meditative exercise routine. Sure. I didn't do the exercise routine. Okay. I'm not going to do an exercise video. Not one that doesn't go in a VHS tape mm-hmm. and require those tall, puffy socks. <laughs> Nora falls. <laughs> Which uh, I assume she was badly injured based on this show. <laughs> you thought there was going to be a second funeral? I didn't know, man. I was like super like afraid when I heard her fall in thud. Uh, I guess trigger warning if uh, talks of funerals bother you. Don't listen to this episode. I'll put that. I'll edit that into the front. Listen, man, the episode was no weddings at a funeral. So you know what you're getting into. That's true. You were getting into no weddings. Nora <laughs> not wearing her classic handkerchief look that makes her look like a uh, riveter woman from World War II, <laughs> uh, which is good. I'm glad she's growing as a person. But. I do really enjoy that actress. Once again, I think we've talked about how this is like her first acting role and she does a great job. She's Mm -hmm. not in this one a whole lot. Yeah. But definitely some callbacks with some of the stuff she says. We then cut to what seemed like a 1970s dressing room. There's like (laughs) a lot of pink and shag carpet and a weird wavy mirror. And it is Roy and Keeley. This is Keeley's aesthetic, man. Okay. I guess they're, they're getting ready for funeral room. Getting ready for... Um, a funeral and they start to discuss about how funerals are a party for sad people <laughs> yeah. which is yeah Kinda. I guess it depends on how you can I ask you how do you see do you see funerals as like a sad event or should it be a celebration of life I feel like I've been to a handful of, of funerals um, you know thankfully not a, not a lot of them um, but I feel like a funeral nowadays, it should be like a celebration of life as opposed to being like a somber um, event. How do you how do you see it? Well, I think it comes down to how that person died. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, in the sense that if it is like tragic and sudden, uh, I would think of those as like sad because you're just not ready for it. Yeah. And so I would have a tough time or I have a tough time like doing a celebration of life for someone who maybe didn't live a full life. Yeah. Now, if you took someone that, you know, lived a, a mostly full life, you kind of saw it coming, then, you know, I, I see that as a, yeah, a celebration fair. of life. I think the other thing that comes into play would be, as they discuss in this episode, is what do you think happens after you die? Mm-hmm. Is there something after you die? Uh, you know, is, is that something that you find, like, you know, peace in? Uh, that kind of changes it. If there's nothing after you die, uh, then great. They're just resting (laughs) forever. And I don't know. I guess you could find some peace in that as well. Yeah. I don't know. Just depends on. No, that's fair. How they they go and what you think happens when Mm -hmm. you're, uh, when you're gone Uh, and how quickly you resurrect and become something else. Mm, Yep. Roy and Keely are dressing. Roy uh, doesn't really have to change his wardrobe for a funeral. <laughs> the same thing. He's he's like uh, Johnny Cash. He's always going to a funeral. He's the man in black. Oh man! <laughs> Everyone has to go. They have to be sad. Uh, they start to discuss. Keely's like Roy. What do you want to happen if you die? Yeah. If you get hit by a bus today. And this conversation, I loved every bit of it. It's a great back and forth. Uh, he, Roy's immediately like, 
Well, Keely, if I get hit by a bus, I want you to go after that bus driver. <laughs> Avenge me. Avenge me. Avenge me. Which is so great. And then Keely's like, I want to be made into fertilizer, put around the seeds of a tree and planted so that this fruit tree can grow and use my ashes to, I don't know, photosynthesize. <laughs> I don't know. Com- compost. She wants compost. to be able to compost a tree, and then uh, Roy can eat the rotten fruit from her decomposing corpse. Is that what my neighbor's doing in his backyard when he says compost? He's just got a bunch of bodies in that black thing that he turns every once in a while? That so is. It's his right. uh, aunt and uh, uncle. Interesting. Oh, no. Like the burbs. Jim's <laughs> yeah. the Tonics movie, the burbs. That's a great movie. Uh, but this is where we get Ned Keeley kind of saying, like, uh, finishing her story. It's like, uh, you ruined the bus driver's life uh, just for swerving away from missing a kid. I was like, oh, I didn't know there was a kid in the child in the yeah. story. I was like, I didn't know there was a child. <laughs> uh, it was great. Oh, and she's like, Roy complains about eating fruit made of dead people. And she's like, oh, but you'll eat a kebab with a hair in it. And he's like, well, I know where the hair came from. He's a lovely guy. It's his thing. <laughs> like that, that's just a great, I loved it. Every moment of it. And I don't know, like, I took that as like a fun back and forth. But I think. I don't know if it's in this conversation or a later conversation where Keely's like, no, I am mad. Like, was it that conversation? <laughs> she says in this conversation that she's like legitimately mad. But I think oh, that's it when is... Roy goes, oh, now yeah. I'm sad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think it, she is definitely upset and mad. But he, I think, pushes the envelope a little bit further later in the episode, which is, you know, why I think he, he regresses towards the end and apologizes. For oh, because he keeps kind of <laughs> he poking, keeps poking the, yeah, yeah. Poking the okay. bear. Ted is getting dressed to a song about an easy lover. Those were the only lyrics I could pick out of the song. He just keeps singing easy lover. It's Phil Collins and Philip Bailey, baby. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know Phil Collins? I know Phil Collins from like The Lion King. Doesn't yeah. he sing a song? And then Philip Bailey, he's a guy who does like the super like high like falsettos, I think, in that song. It's such a great, great jam. Wait, are you saying Phil Collins is in Genesis, Phil Collins? Yeah. I is, think? That yeah. Phil, is that Phil Collins? Is it in the air of the night? Is that also Genesis? Yeah, he's Genesis, right? All right. The internet knows. Well, write us. What does Ted have while he's getting dressed and singing Easy Lover? Uh, he has a great time. He's tying his tie. And he's got a little bit of a panic attack. A little bit of a panic attack. Did this feel like we've gone to the panic attack well quite a bit during this season? <clears throat> well, I mean... I have think... we had an episode <laughs> without a panic attack, Tom? Uh, Other than the beard one. And the Christmas one? I don't think we had one there. Um, I, I think the show is just, this is the, the mechanism it's given us to tell us that Ted is in a tough place. Okay. Uh, but I agree, it's a little bit heavy-handed. Well, I started to wonder, okay, he's, I understand therapy is not like a fix-all, it's immediately going to fix him, but I guess this is where I kind of thought, okay, how much time has lapsed between when he started sharing things with Dr. Sharon, surely at that point they're having sessions, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, and so why is why is he having such a tough time? And then why did we not anticipate that this was going to be a little bit of a tough time having to do with a, a funeral? Um, anyways, I, I, I just thought it was like, oh, we're my thought was, oh, we're doing this again. Well, which I, I think uh, maybe it's just me being a bad viewer. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, it's because, again, like the show. The first season, I think it did a better job of telling us where we were, like in the in the football season and where sure. the soccer was. We really haven't had a whole lot of like, I guess, soccer moments to be able to tell. Like they lost the FA Cup, which is kind of later in a season. We don't know how much time has passed since when he told 
Dr. Sharon that his father passed away um, from suicide uh, and when they he's had this panic attack because I'm with you. I think they've had they've had sessions and he's likely been working through some stuff, but I don't think he is is fully opened up to her like he does in the the scene later on where Dr. Sharon really gets into like like tell me about what happened with right, your father and let's, right. let's really open this up. And they had to get to that point where Ted felt comfortable doing that. Right. The timing where we are is, you know, the most I can tell is we're between Christmases. That's one Christmas has <laughs> happened and another one's coming. That that's where I know we are in the year. And it seems to be not snowing. So True. um that's how I know where we're at. Probably the summer solstice. We're at the <laughs> funeral. Rebecca and her mom do this thing where some guests are like, hey, yeah. And he's like, oh, our father really loved you. He loved that you'd be here. Who was that? I have no, no idea. But I neither knew. Just being Which, polite. Oh, as someone who is really bad with like names and just ends up meeting. Like at this point in our lives, you like go to the neighbor's house for like a, a get together and mm -hmm. you've done it like four times and like their family's there. And like after the fourth time, you're like, it'd be really weird for me to ask that person's name. Because... I do that when I come over here for your kid's birthday party. Exactly. There you go. That's the thing. You're like, wait, now who are you? Yeah. Um, and you got to like judge, like, unlike Ted, we should all be more like Ted. We should learn someone's name and never forget it. But uh, obviously, Rebecca and Deborah did not do that with those guests. <laughs> Old Rupi shows up. <laughs> I will be referring to Rupert as Rupi for the rest of this episode okay. because I love this so much. Deborah is very kind to Rupi. Rupi <laughs> shows up with Bex and Diane the baby. I'm assuming they named it after the late great Princess Diane. Mm -hmm. I think it's Diana, but go on. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Loosely based on Loosely based. Thank you. <laughs> Loosely based. Based on a true story. There you go. But I do love how uh, what Deborah says, like, oh, I love the little fat cheeks. And then Rebecca's like, oh, you just fat shamed a baby to tears. Because <laughs> yeah, the baby starts to cry. <laughs> Bex has a way with children. We knew she'd be a great mother. Oh, so she great. takes this child. She makes some comment about, she's like, he knows I ate the placenta raw. He knows. <sighs> I was like, all right. So then I had to Google search what a placenta was, Ooh. and... You didn't know what a placenta was? Well, I thought it was one of those, you know, the fossils from, like, the Jurassic time, <laughs> but I wasn't real sure, <laughs> <Okay>. so <laughs> not great at science. <laughs> Rupi is clearly a changed man, Tom. Yeah. Changed man, I've forgiven him. I love this line. It's later. It's sassy where she's like, you've had a daughter. So now like, we'll forgive you of all the terrible things you've done to women. Yep. Oh man. Rupee's great. But Hey man, can, can people change? Should yes, we, should we give uh, I'm going to call him Rupert. I'm not going to call him Rupee. Should we, should we kind of take like, I don't know. Like what is Ted's philosophy on this? Like would here's Ted my, be nice to him? Here's my thought with Rupee is um, until Rupee makes amends, until Rupee like reaches back into people's lives that he has clearly done harm to, mm -hmm. like Rebecca. Yeah. Um, like I would have to see some contriteness, and maybe this is me being wrong. Yeah, like, you're, I, you're right. I would want him to like when he shows up here, and it's clearly like he's acting changed. But why is he showing up to her dad's funeral when she said Rebecca said you weren't invited. you weren't invited? Uh, he's being his smarmy self. Mm -hmm. He's rubbing his new baby and wife in her face. Mm -hmm. So, 
no, he's not a better person. <laughs> but to your point, should I have looked at that first? Like, oh, is Rupee a changed man? Uh, old Rupee? <laughs> um, maybe, but until there's like some... Yeah. There'd have to be some steps in place there of him like asking for some forgiveness and... Uh, he's got to earn it. Yeah, he's got to earn it. He's got to pay that penance, baby. <laughs> That's what the good book says. Um, the whole team shows up. None of them are wearing trainers. I do appreciate how they show up in the uh, AFC Richmond bus. <laughs> team bus. Yeah, <laughs> these guys all have Lamborghinis, but they're all going to ride the bus together. I do love seeing like their different outfits they wear. Like yeah. Isaac's got this like sweet black suit, but it's kind of like smoky, yep. kind of coming up. Yeah, uh, a lot of cool fashion. It reminded me of uh, Chelsea's uh, kits from this year that I was looking wow, at with okay. that like blue checker mm-hmm. fade thing. Uh, that's me making a football reference for you, yeah, my friend. I appreciate it. That's a deep one too. So. Rebecca's the one, she's like, none of them are wearing trainers. Yeah. And she's like, they all came. And Higgins is like, yep, they all wanted to support you. Danny Rojas <laughs> is in like three scenes in this episode. And they're all gold. He's really struggling to walk. In I thought he was injured at first. I'm like, oh, he's, he's injured. He, he's something injured. happened on the pitch. But nope. He's, he's just, injured in a way. It's just the uh, the shoes. They're, they're too restricted for Danny. He can't handle it. You have this weird, awkward moment where Rebecca's like, Sam and Isaac. Yeah, she, and she says doesn't, Sam first. She doesn't give yeah. him any sort of special recognition, but uh, Sam's a bigger person than this, so he doesn't let it really bother him based on what we see later, which is good. Yeah. Once again, no one knows how to communicate with Beard. They're making Beard just weirder and weirder. Like, I feel like he was a weird fun. He's in the like first an season. idiot savant. Yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just weird. Like, the conversations he has with Jane later is weird. Uh, obviously what they did last episode was weird sure um i don't know he's not i still enjoy him as a character but i don't think he's as fun loving like now that they I, maybe this is the point like they started uh peeling it like back the layers or whatever and i guess i don't like it as much as i like the it's mystery. less mysterious yeah. yes i like yes. the mystery more and now we're just tearing up and crying because we've gotten <laughs> deeper into the onion that is beard he looks great what does he do? He like puts his he like puts his shades on. He gives her the old finger guns. He gives, or something. He gives the finger gun, and they're like, I don't know. I just want people to interact with Beard. Like I don't need him to. But anyways, it was great. <laughs> then we have the conversation with Sassy and Rupee in the uh, church. He's a changed man now that he has a daughter. Sassy's great during this whole thing. She's like, I think about your death every day, <laughs> every day, which is a terrible thing to say to someone. But, but what we know of but Rupert, clearly like, he has wounded her friend, yeah, and so she's she taking it out on him. I think, like, kind of what they did here a little bit too is like showing the opposite, like, ways to approach Rupert. Um, with like Sassy going, like, "You're a terrible person. I'm going to let you know you're a terrible person, right. and I'm going to let you wear that on your sleeve, and I'm going to wear it on my sleeve." Whereas uh, Deborah, Rebecca's mom, is like polite and cordial and all that kind of stuff because... to the point where Rebecca, or to the point where Rebecca thinks her mom likes Rupert. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, because like, I think again, Rebecca and Deborah will get into it later. Like they don't have a close enough relationship to understand their their perspectives and where each of them are coming uh, coming from. Sure. Um, so again, I thought this was just interesting about um, the mom's perspective and kind of how the mom preaches how to treat Rupert and how Sassy does. <laughs> Rupert, Rupert has taken too much fire. He's like, all right, Sassy, have a good one. <laughs> yeah. She's like, uh, bleep you and die, yeah. <laughs> which is a great way to end a conversation <laughs> if you're really mad at someone. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lasso calls Dr. Sharon because um, he is going through his. And I, we just get her part of this, right? Yeah, since Dr. Sharon's flat, yeah. Um, and then she, Dr. Sharon mentions like uh, four, seven, eight breathing. Have you ever heard of that before? Nope. I thought it was positions in soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. We run a four, seven, eight defense, <laughs> yeah. which is seven too many players. <laughs> if good. I'm doing my Very math good right. Math. Um, but it's apparently it's, a, it's called like re- relax, relaxing breathing. So it's you breathe in for four seconds uh, or inhale for four seconds, hold for seven seconds, and then exhale for eight. So I'm assuming there's some sort of mathematical brilliant formula or whatever that just kind of helps you like calm down relax and kind of deal with the stress of a panic attack i'm giving it a go over here oh you're trying yeah give us uh 21 seconds 19 seconds i actually feel angrier I don't think it worked. All I wanted to do was talk about Lasso, and I couldn't. You made me hold my breath. All I wanted to do was take another drink of this whiskey, <laughs> but I had to be holding my breath. It actually helps, because the fumes from the whiskey. <laughs> Anyways, they work their way through the skin of the top of your mouth. Um, that's a saying. Keely and Rebecca. Oh, Keely being a great friend. It's just like, she, she comes up next to Rebecca. She's like, hey, by the way, that baby sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the the apex of friendship is like, I'm willing to go after an innocent child. I do in love, order. I love how you preface that. Keely, great friend. <laughs> great friend. <laughs> that baby sucks. Great. Terrible babysitter. Uh, uh, but just... she's a good babysitter. She was good with uh, Phoebe. That's fair. I just think it's funny that that's the lane. She's like, I'm going to be in your corner, even if it's against a beautiful, innocent baby. Yep. And then they start talking about how, oh, Sassy shows up because Keely's next to Rebecca. I'll never leave your I'll side. I'll never leave your side. Sassy! Sassy! Yeah, they go and meet, um, which is fun. The two of them get to talk and they're like, hey, aren't funerals weird? And Keely's like, I was just talking about this. Mm-hmm. And then we get on the fact that they know that Rebecca has a secret suitor. Mm-hmm. So this is going to come to fruition. And they talk about, hey, when Keely's like, I assume when you die, you also want to become a tree. And Sassy's <laughs> like, yeah, of course. She doesn't miss a beat. She's like, yeah, of course. Or I want to be a dumb dog. Either life's great. A tree or a dumb dog. Which is uh, one way to think about death. Then we go to Keely, Jan Moss, Nate, and Jamie. Mm. They have this exchange. <laughs> and Jan Moss, give me more John Moss. To pump John Moss into my veins. Jan uh, Moss. I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's it's Keely going to like straighten up Nate's tie. Uh so it, And she's like, Oh, is this the suit that the Ted, Ted bought you? Me. And then uh like I think Jan sees him as uh, Nate a little uncomfortable. He makes some comment about like, "Oh, you feel uncomfortable because of your in- infertility or whatever." He says, "Oh, another man buying you clothes makes you feel infantile." Infantile, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> which we was get, like, even awesome. even Jamie's like, "Oh, come Ooh, on, man, come on, man." <laughs> yeah, it's a little rough. <laughs> oh, Jamie, being the voice of reason. 
And Jamie's like super cool and mellow and yeah. like very like he's you can see him kind of turning a new leaf throughout this episode. I didn't really understand what they were doing with him until he has the conversation with Keely. Oh, you didn't they, pick up anything? They cut to him and he's like, you know, he's just kind of observing. He's not doing a lot of talking. Yeah. He's looking at Keely. I did not think they were going to take the turn that they took at the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of think I did, because in this next sequence, um, like, you can go set it up. Like, Roy finds the apple, he kind of bites it. And so, like, because Roy comes in, because he, he has the apple, and he's like, oh, this tastes like dead people, like, uh, trying to, like, cheer uh, Keely up. And he's like, oh, it's a funeral, cheer up, or whatever. Um, but during that sequence, um, where it kind of cuts away, uh, kind of showing, like, them, uh, Keely and Roy having a little bit of a spat. It cuts to Jamie, and it sees uh, Jamie. It, it shows the audience that Jamie is looking at this, observing yeah, the this dysfunction. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so I think that's kind of what started to make me think like yeah, Jamie is still has feelings and interest. And, and even later in the episode, you see Jamie uh, looking at uh, Keeley. Uh, I think during like the, the main part of the funeral and having kind of a, a, a quick glance and look and mm. looking aside. Okay. So, there was some there was some groundwork laid. Yeah, I think I was looking for it the second go around, the first go around. I didn't really pay yeah. much attention because I feel like they're around each other and there hasn't been it feels like they cut that relationship. Like I, I don't know that in past episodes, maybe I just haven't been paying attention, that I felt like Jamie was pining for Keely. Like he goes into her office that one scene to discuss yeah stuff but... i mean they don't they don't have the the textual chemistry that they once did sure now it's more like you know visual chemistry more visual chemistry mm -hmm. emotional yep. chemistry but the most important thing is textual chemistry yep little squirrels and nuts danny hates his dress shoes <laughs> danny hates his dress shoes he complains to jamie and jamie's like i know man uh i think he calls him muchacho or something like that yeah. it's great and jamie's like <laughs> These dress shoes, they're not made for us. They're made for sheep. They're made for muggles. <laughs> and they're made for fannies, yeah. which is not what he says, but fannies is more appropriate for uh, this podcast. Oh, such a great line. But the muggles thing, like, again, I don't know if Jamie's serious or if he's trying to make a joke because he says it so straight-faced. Right. Clearly, it's a reference to Harry Potter. Uh, so fantastic. When Jamie says it, I feel like he just means normal people, yeah. like not stellar athletes. He's yeah. just like, we're athletes, everyone else is muggles. <laughs> Danny wants to burn the shoes in hell, because <laughs> Jamie, uh, Jamie says, like, Jesus or something like no, that. No, no. And like, Jesus is not coming to this conversation. <laughs> Our savior has no part of this conversation. These shoes will burn in hell. It made me think of a Big Lebowski with uh, Jonathan Turo, who plays, like, the Jesus, and he's, like, bowling, and he, sure. he says some crazy line, and uh, I think, I don't know if it was Donnie or uh, John Goodman's character, it's like, Jesus, like, you said it, man. Nobody messes with the Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> then we're with dr sharon and ted in ted's flat uh ted's flat's looking a little rough yeah it's there's, a little worse for wear there's clothes all over if i don't ted's, feel like if ted's flat was hair it would be disheveled it would be disheveled much like his hair is mm -hmm. in these scenes we find out that dr sharon hates tea yeah i brought them together now let me ask you there's a there's a line delivery here that i don't know if it's a miss or if i'm reading into it but she says, I hate tea. And then he says, like a beat later, I'll tell you anything. Yeah. Now, are those related? If like in a comedic scene, he, she would be like, I hate tea. And he would have this look on his face that's like, I hate tea. I found a kindred spirit. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you anything. But it's like a weird moment where he just goes, 
I'll tell you anything. And I didn't know if that was related or not. I got Do you know same, what I'm saying? No, 100%. I got the same sense. I wasn't sure if it was trying to be like a joke or if it was like, oh, because you said you hate tea, now I'll tell you everything. I was going to be guarded, but you said this, so now whatever. I think it's the show doing a little bit of both, kind of having its cake and eating it too. Wanting to do the joke, giving them one more last thing in terms of like realizing that they are more similar than they are different as characters and as people. Okay. And that's Ted finally like, you know, officially ripping off the, the Band-Aid or whatever, saying, okay, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you about what's going on. I wish that they had either committed to the joke or just made it. And it's also a weird segue because he's just like, I'll tell you anything. She and doesn't really go. Yeah. Anyway, so I just thought it was I didn't know if I just missed something. But on my second viewing, I was still a little bit confused. I do like the the idea of her being like, I hate tea and him being like, I will tell you all my deepest, <laughs> darkest secrets yeah. because even Beard likes tea now and I have no one in this world. Like, that would be great. Yeah. Beard is FaceTiming with Jane and, like, uh, and he's talking about never being in a, like, a Protestant church yeah. before. Something like that. It's a like beautiful that. shot. Oh, like, it's a beautiful oh, church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with my, my, uh, my wife has, like, she has been to, like, Spain and she talks about, like, the cathedrals and stuff. Uh, and I myself have an affinity to like old churches. Mm. Like, um, could that money have been spent better elsewhere? Who knows? <laughs> but they're very beautiful buildings. Those stained glass uh, pictures are dope. <laughs> Please don't at me. We went to uh, an old cathedral, an old Catholic cathedral with some friends in uh, Savannah, Georgia. And it was like super cool. Like, you were like touring a museum yeah. ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, didn't meet. Jesus there. Anyways. That's what they do it for, right? It's to bring in Jesus. To so bring in. The brighter your colors, the more chance you get to have Jesus come in. Not a fishing lure, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't know a lot about religion. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. I'm okay. going to teach you. Um, but they've got a weird back and forth. Like, Beard's like, loves funerals. And they talk about, like, open caskets. And it's oh, kind of like, macabre. Yeah, she's like, giddy. She's like, oh, tell me it's an open casket. Really weird. Yeah. Did you use the word macabre? I just used the word macabre. Oh, incredible. Yeah, High five you, my man. Oh, that's yeah. great. This is weird. Like, and again, it's just like what we had last episode of the beard and them getting together. Like, we're, they're trying to tell us that this relationship is a match made in heaven. Maybe. I don't know. Or beard just chemically can't quit her. Um, but I do appreciate them still showing us that Jane is a bit off a rocker, as is kind of beard with their uh, affinities of funeral and death and life in yeah general. and beard beard does this thing where he's she like gives him a look and he's like oh and like was he going to go open up the casket well i didn't know whether or not he was going to go open the casket or whether or not they were going to have distant relations like i it was a weird vibe where i was like wait what are they going to go do well eventually when we get to like everybody's sitting down for the service Beer's holding up his phone, and she's being FaceTime into the service. Right. No, I, I understand which is, that. Which was odd, too. Like, I was just confused as to what he was like, oh, well. And he, like, does this <laughs> thing where he, like, shimmies out. I was like, wait, what are they going to go do? Let's just leave it to the mystery. All right. I think the mystery's better with Beard. We'll write If we Bill. dive too deep in, we're going to get hurt. I'm going to at Bill Lawrence. I've been hurt too many Bill. times. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> Bill, answer my tweets. Um, <laughs> Rebecca and Keeley have a conversation 
Uh, Sassy shows up with a bottle of wine. This is like the communion wine, I'm assuming. She's like, I stole it from a little boy yeah. out there who's probably the, I don't know, what are the, what are they called? The altar boys. Altar boy. That's yeah. the one. Good for you, Tom. Yeah. See, I know religion. You know religion. <laughs> you nailed it. They start to have the conversation about who, uh, oh, Rebecca is in relationship with. Yeah, they kind of confront her, and they go back and forth, and, and the back and forth doesn't last long. No, because Keely guesses Sam right, right away, on. right? Like, is it tall? Yes. Is it Sam? Boom. Is done. Sam tall? Yeah, I think he's pretty tall. He's shorter than Rebecca. I think they're... But we've established Rebecca's like 6'10". Yeah, but I, th I think they're they're both equidistant to the ground. Okay. Good for you. Equidistant, <laughs> macabre, pulling on all the vocab words today. <laughs> Deborah, uh, she knows about Sam. She reveals it. There's this funny thing where they're so loud in this back room that people keep having to come in. Every and time say, somebody comes yeah, in, so Sassy comes I've in. I've been asked to be quiet. I've been asked to tell you to be quiet. Deborah comes in. You guys need to be quiet. This is something I feel like happens in every church or every gathering in a church is someone's got to be like, hey. I need you, Josh. I remember um, uh, a friend's uh, grandfather passed, and like the grandfather had kind of been integral in his life. And inevitably, it was like four or five of us college buddies hadn't seen each other in a while. Mm -hmm. And the event was that funeral. And we were in like the foyer of the church, and it just turned into a BS just, fest. Yeah. Like, you know, we paid our respects or whatever, but it was like, what are you up to? Do you remember? And, like, we were a bit boisterous. I don't know that we got shushed, but his mom eventually wandered yeah, over and was kind of like, hey, guys, what's going on back here? So did we break out the communion wine? No, but I do understand being shushed at a funeral. Then we cut to the therapy session, which is continuing to go on with Dr. Sharon and Ted. Mm -hmm. And we find mm -hmm. out that Ted didn't go to his dad's funeral. And his reasoning was because... He felt like his dad quit. Yeah. And this is maybe where we get Ted, like in the episode where him and Michelle, where Michelle leaves him, where mm -hmm. they decide to part ways. He says, I've never quit anything in my life. And he's like so tore up about it. I mm -hmm. wonder if this, w I mean, I'm assuming what the show is pointing us to is he felt like his dad quit. And so he was never going to be a quitter. And that's yeah. where he gets that. Yeah, same thing with therapy, like why he came back to therapy, even though he didn't want to keep doing it with Dr. Sharon. He made mention that, you know, I don't like quitting. Anything. I don't like quitting. And I do think Jason Sudeikis, I mean, this is like heavy stuff that he's doing through Probably. these. And he does a really great job. Everybody does. Like De uh, he does uh, when like because it kind of intercuts. We'll get to it with Deborah and Rebecca, Rebecca and those two actresses going back and forth. Like everybody does. And Dr. Sharon, obviously, like does an amazing job of of acting these scenes and, and telling the story here. And this is where it starts because Deborah informs Rebecca that, Hey, you're going to have to give a eulogy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's your father's, it's going to be weird if you don't. And she's like, I don't have anything to say. And then they started to get into an argument. Um, or essentially Rebecca starts to share with her mom, why she doesn't like her dad or, mm -hmm. or like had a falling out with him. Um, and it's because she caught him cheating and, and hated him for it. And then the show does an interesting thing where it's like intercutting, where they're almost picking up on each other's sentences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was well done. I, I, I feel like they did it at other parts in the show where they've like cut between scenes that somehow relate. But this one was very closely related. So we find out that both events were on Friday the 13th 
1991. Did that kind of strike you as odd? Like, did the show need to do that and say these events took place on the same day? No, I also didn't know if it was actually supposed to mean that because one's like 1990 and then he says one. So there's a chance that... um, and like the Friday Thirteenth thing is, I don't know if she says that or if he says it because I know he he's said going September. To... I know he actually put in a month. Okay. And they okay. when they were the Friday Thirteenth because he was watching like a, a Jason, Jason uh, yeah. marathon with his friends. Anyways, well, you know, well cut together. We find out that it, I mean, just terrible. But Ted comes home from, um, you know, hanging out with friends or school, or he's mm-hmm. going to grab something, and then he hears the gunshot, and his dad commits suicide, and he discovers the body. Rebecca, at the same time, discovers her father having an affair with a missus in the neighborhood. Um, she does point out that he chases after her in, like, his dressing gown or something. Like, he's wearing, like, I almost pictured as, like, an old old person, like, nightgown. That he, that. Did you not catch this? No. Oh, maybe I missed it. But he was, like, she's, like, oh, he was chasing me in his, like, pajama gown or something. Like, who was? The... Her dad. Because she walked in, she started screaming, and he, like, chased after her to, like, calm her down. Because she then says, like, the next day, the dad says nothing. He tries to pretend like nothing happened and everything was was good. You didn't see anything kind of a deal. I don't know. Listen, I've not been in these situations. I don't know that those two equate. They're both, like, traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Um, But once again, it's interesting how they intercut it. I I was going to say the same thing, because I did, like, a lot of the episodes throughout this series, they do tell the the, the same themes and tell uh, different ca- sets of characters dealing with similar types of issues. So this is like the first time I think they've literally intertwined two characters going through the same thing of like telling their secret, telling their 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 past traumas to somebody that they care about and, and hope hopes that can kind of help them. Um, but I, I had the same exact sentiment my first watch. I'm like. Ted dealing with the trauma of of finding his father in the instances that he, or the circumstances that he did versus Rebecca. They're both certainly traumatizing, but that did take me aback a little bit because I thought inter, inter, interchanging Ted's therapy sessions with, with Rebecca's story, I don't think, I think there was, what the show's done is given us more weight to Ted's story than it has Rebecca's here. Sure. But I did appreciate and like the way they filmed it and shot it. I guess you have to think as a child, like your parents being like a solid foundation. And if that foundation is shaken yeah. from like a child's perspective, um, that's probably extremely traumatizing. Yeah. But so then Rebecca is talking to her mom about like, Hey, I, I hated him because of how he treated you. And she discusses this, like, um, the mom didn't know or she didn't think the mom knew mm-hmm. which for some reason in my mind based on the episode where we met deborah and they were splitting i was under the impression that deborah kind of knew the father was a womanizer and that I there think... was infidelity but yeah. maybe like i i found it surprising just based on the past episode that like rebecca was like revealing this for the first time yeah i i think well, yeah when rebecca was saying this and like trying to get this secret off like it, it was rebecca's secret i don't it was never to my impression was deborah's secret I, I felt that deborah always knew um but she chose to continue to be with them because you know what she mentioned earlier like once i love something i always love it right um, and it wasn't great and obviously would have preferred if your father didn't do this but 
um, like I knew about it, and I got that same sense as well. I thought the hard moment here was when like Deborah's like I knew, and Rebecca's like, "Well, I hate you." Yeah, that was like, harsh. That was harsh. Which, you know, once again, I, I understand where she's coming from, and um, I think the person here that has an interesting like perspective is Deborah of like, "Hey, would you rather be?" She mentions it later, and we'll go mm-hmm. into it. But would you rather be right, or would you rather? Um, you know, be yeah, loving. Be loving, exactly. <clears throat> so, and and during Ted and and Doctor Sharon, it's difficult to jump back and forth, like to talk about it. Yeah, but yeah. the episode but, yeah, does we'll a pretty do, good yeah. job. But like, we're back at Doctor Sharon and, and Ted, and Doctor Sharon makes the comment about how like I understand why you're angry because he took a lot from you. Mm-hmm. And Ted's immediate response is from my mom as well. Yeah. Like, um. And she does this, which I thought was interesting. She's like, hey, you've told me what you hate. You told me what's bad. Like, give me a good memory. Or, like, give me something good about yeah. your father. Well, Ted even, like, he gets taken aback by it. He's like, why? Like, why should I say something good? Right. And, yeah, her comeback was, was good because, obviously, there is love there. And she's trying to find it. And so he, then he tells the story about, like, as a kid, not reading a book for a book report, <laughs> yeah. which everyone can relate to. Cliff Noser, my favorite friend in high school. Oh, man. And his dad staying up all night to read the book and doesn't tell him about it, but then drives him to school. And in the ride to school, the dad explains everything. Um, and he, I mean, once again, Jason Sudeikis does a great job acting, but he just goes into, he was a good dad. And I don't think he knew that. And I think that if maybe he knew that, if someone had told him that, then he wouldn't have done what he did. Yeah. And I think this is like getting to the crux of, of a lot of, Ted's um, struggles with this is because I think he does partially blame himself for it. Like, sure. But a lot of the ownership on the dad, which is clearly probably should be. And we don't know, obviously all the trauma that led to the dad making that decision. But um, Ted certainly thinks that he could have done more to, to help. Yeah. And we're not trauma experts, but I think that's like with suicide. I mean, the only thing you're left to do is like, if you're the person alive is to think mm-hmm. like, what could I have done differently? For like, sure am I to blame or did I, you know, contribute to this in some way? Mm -hmm. So um, you're right. I think this does come down to him like blaming himself a bit. Um, And this is also where Ted goes into like, he makes some, he makes a statement where he's like, and this is where I decided like, I wouldn't let people pass through my life without understanding like what they're going through Mm -hmm. or like their trauma. And I don't know. It was, and he makes the cover. Life's hard. It's real hard. And so I guess the idea being here, like he didn't know what his father was going through. His father obviously had some, you know, hidden issues that he didn't see. And so from his perspective, that's why he like cares so much about people in terms of like getting to know them as a person. Is that what you got from that yeah i think so and ted makes mention earlier that like his father was kind of a chatterbox like a surprise surprise and then give a little coy smile right um, and you know would have been nice if he was more of a listening box or i think however he worded that but i think his <laughs> right. he, he he wanted his dad to be able to kind of listen more and not like we've talked about a little bit like you don't always want somebody like solving your problems or talking your ear off sometimes you want people to lend an ear and listen to you right empathetically um you know, be be a part of that conversation and not just try to solve every your need. And maybe maybe that was what some of his dad was doing. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that line was we we've seen it a lot with Ted of always trying to be optimistic. But I don't know if we got enough of that like 
clearly with Rupert, I don't think he's trying to dive deeper and understand like Rupert's past misgivings and, and why he is the way he is. So I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both maybe, but that's, I guess what I like, he throws, he threw that line in there. And I, I think I literally like hit the like 30 second, like rehit just to listen to the line again. But I thought what they were getting at was like the reason he cares so much about people is because his father passed through his life and he didn't like, I guess, voice enough or ask enough questions or like dive yeah. into who the person was. And yeah. so um, I thought, you know, I thought it was interesting. Once again, we're getting more of um, uh, we're getting more of, you know, Ted's Ted's backstory. And once again, Jason Sudeik is just as, you know, a, a great job through yeah. this. I do like Same. how they ended the sequence and stuff. They add a little bit of levity. Um, where like, you know, like I know this is probably illegal, but can I hug you? <laughs> this then, is illegal. Yeah, yeah it's a great. So then they, they give a hug, um, and then Jason's like, "Oh, you gonna you gonna charge me?" He's like, "Oh, of course I am. This is a, this is a house call. I'm yeah. gonna charge you." It's yeah. like, I appreciate your integrity. <laughs> uh, it was good. It was it was a good kind of uh, button to this this super heavy heavy scene. Right, and it's a kind of a call back to when he's not wanting to do therapy and he's like oh you're going to charge for an hour yeah. but the session's only 50 minutes like it goes back to that whole bit mm -hmm. so then you know back with rebecca and deborah um deborah is talking through um like how she makes the comment and i'm jumping around here a bit about that she was proud of like Rebecca to have the strength to read to leave Rupert mm -hmm. uh, almost in like the way that she did not have the strength to leave whatever Rebecca's dad's name is. I don't know if they say it. I'm going to say his name's John. Um, <laughs> I was going to say the same. I think I it might why. be John. I don't know if it is, but we'll say it's John. And um, Deborah makes the comment about it. she doesn't like Rupi. Uh I'm going to say Rupert in this in this because <laughs> okay. we're so heavy right now. Um, and Rebecca's like, well, why are you so nice to him? Mm -hmm. And she's like, when all's said and done, what's more important, being loving or being right? Mm -hmm. Which maybe not the most profound statement that we've ever heard, but yeah. like in terms of a life lesson, like how often do we like fight to be right as opposed <laughs> to just like yeah. letting something go and like being loving? Um, yeah, because this is where she makes that thing. Like, if you let them know they can get to you, like, that's that's how she deals with Rupert here. Right. Like if, if, if if I wear my, like, what does, Sassy does, like, clearly Sassy knows and Rupert knows that Sassy gets under the skin, but she does it so heavy that, I don't right. really, like, Rupert doesn't hit her. But the way Rebecca treats it, it's, it's she works on the edges and Rupert knows that and he just keeps pounding away at it every time they interact. Right. Um, but I do like, and I mentioned earlier how, um, Deborah says, you know, hey, I appreciate you being angry, like, uh, you know, letting me know or taking your anger. I'll, I will take your anger over your indifference any day, because I think they they show that Rebecca and Deborah's relationship was just kind of like ambiguous. We didn't really know what was going on there. We knew it wasn't good. But her saying that she is happy she's angry. It took me back at first. I'm like, why would you be happy or angry? But the fact that it at least shows you you care to a certain degree. Yeah. If you're angry at me, then you care about me, as opposed to being what I felt from you is being indifferent. I thought that was pretty powerful. Too. Yeah, it, being indifferent and not caring is worse than. Yeah, I I agree. I thought this was a good yeah good conversation with them, um, and this then leads us to the church service, 
uh, where we find out from the vicar that the deceased was a Richmond fan and show up every week. Um, I thought this was kind of funny. Like this guy was clearly not a faithful husband, uh, had some things that as a father, the daughter was not proud of. But the vicar's like, he showed up every week. Yeah. And like, loving father. This is something, yeah, something welled up into me about the hypocrisy of certain people where it's like, hey, he showed up to church every Sunday. Yeah. I mean, he, he did beat all those people <laughs> and like was terrible to his family. But hey, he was in that pew every yeah. Sunday. Anyways, I thought I, I did think it was funny that it, the vicar then takes kind of a, a swerve where he's like, and he would be listening to the Richmond game the whole service. Yeah, he thought he was going to be like a perfect saint in the right, corner. Right, right. No, 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 he wasn't. No. So I laughed at that. And then Ted shows up. He shows up late. Well, I think it, this is what, before Ted shows up, we get uh, Rebecca going up to do the eulogy. Oh, so that's she's, right. She's up there, yeah, kind of starting. So she goes up there. She's clearly struggling as to what to say. Yeah. Ted slips in and sits down. And then Rebecca starts singing... Never gonna give you up by Rick Astley. She does. And Tom. Yeah. <laughs> is this where you saw this going? This uh, was not a Rick roll. I'm gonna go out on and make that statement. This is not a Rick roll. I did not I did not understand. It Am was, I allowed to not understand? hundred percent are allowed to not understand. Okay. It was odd off putting, I think, at first, but I think what we do a lot with like music and lyrics is we just like this song is a perfect example. It's super catchy. It's just it just gets in your head and you'll sing it for days. Like I will likely be singing the song for days. But sometimes you don't think about the lyrics. And when the lyrics are delivered in this context, I agree it's still weird. But like when they're talking about like never gonna give you up, I'm never gonna desert you, um, never gonna then, let you down, never let you down, uh, and then when or she, hurt you. Yeah, it's like keep going. Uh, as far as I've gotten, it's, it's never gonna say goodbye, and that's where Rebecca like really starts to choke up because it's like. Those lines aren't perfect to her life, but they they obviously have a a um, a pull to Deborah, the mom, um, with their relationship. She listens to the song often, and it's getting to Rebecca, and that's when Ted kind of comes in and saves it. Like Ted then finishes that line right. to kind of like just be there for Rebecca, and then gets everybody else to kind of sing it. But um, I will certainly probably not hear this song ever the same way again because I definitely got emotional uh, during this sequence. Um, and I do appreciate how the sequence ends uh, because they're doing the sing-along. They literally do the call and response at a certain right. point. And then the organist in the background starts so playing. playing the song. Yeah, uh, Good for that guy for knowing how to play uh, Rick Astley on the fly. Okay. I Here's my issue. is I felt like I felt like they forced a song in here. Like, I feel like I don't know. And maybe it's because her relationship with her dad wasn't supposed to be like perfect, but there, I feel like there had to have been a better song that like was more funeral appropriate or like <laughs> that would have worked here. But I think that's kind of like some of the point is like, it is so off the wall and, and weird that, but like, when, I just don't know where Rebecca, like, why did Rebecca go there? Well, like, so this, so that's what I was going to say. So Rebecca comes up there after hearing the uh, the vicar say, oh, he was a loving husband, great father. And, like, you can kind of see in her head, like, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. And and we're her going up there and journey to give the eulogy. You think she says she, she doesn't likes, know what to stay, right? Yeah. She's, so you think she's going to go up there and just start, you know, like, ripping her father apart sure. or saying bad things to him. But I think from the conversation she just had with her mom, 
her mom's like, you can choose to be right, and you can tell these people how much sure. of a jerk this that your dad was to you, or you can choose to be loving. So she didn't know necessarily what the words were, but she clearly had this very catchy song in her head. Um, so she she belted it out, and we know Rebecca could sing uh, beautifully. And obviously, it was you know a very difficult song to sing for her, but she still belted it out and, and crushed it. Yeah, it was it was a fun. It was a fun TV show moment. I just struggled with why we went to that song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it felt like, I mean, she could have done like, let the bodies hit the floor. That may <laughs> might've been a better okay. funeral type song. Um, I don't know who sings that, but. Disturbed maybe? Corn? No, I think it's disturbed. Okay. It is pretty disturbed. The internet's going to yell at us. <clears throat> I think it's Phil Collins. <laughs> it is Phil Collins. It's Genesis. 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 You're right. Um, <laughs> Uh, the sing-along's beautiful. Um, Rupert, oh, and then we're we're done with the service and people are leaving. Rupert leaves, um, and Rebecca tries to be like her mom. And yeah, she's, I'll give him the smile. Yeah, she's like, "Hey, thanks for coming." You know, you know. Anyways, oh, I think she even invites him back to like lunch or something. Yeah. And he's so caught off guard. He's what? he doesn't even come up with a very good excuse. He's just like, oh, we've got to do things. They got to take a nap. It's like you or the baby. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. And we find out that Beck sleeps in the crib with the baby. The baby won't sleep. And of course, they Bex. give like how like the diamond dogs gave beer when they said his relationship where they're moving in together. They're like, oh yeah, great, that's great. They yeah, yeah, yeah. Higher voices and yeah. Um, and he says, hey, I, you know, I don't have time for for one. We find out he got rid of all the TVs in the house. Because he's like, he just wants to watch his baby and Bex. He does that to, like, make Rebecca. I believe there's no TVs in the house. He also, there's no time for footy. Oh, yeah. He says, no time for footy. Um, Which is a reference to soccer. Okay. Or football. Or football. And he's just decided to give his shares, Bex's shares of Richmond, back to Rebecca. This is weird. <laughs> She's like, like a funeral present? <laughs> yeah. <a> good <laughs> Which line. is great. And maybe funeral presents should be a thing. He's he's conniving, right? He's plotting something. Like, especially right after this, because then he goes and, and talks to Nate, whispers in Nate's ear. Nate kind of looks to the side as a weird... I don't, I don't really know what Nate does, but... We can do this now or when we get to the end of the episode, but I think we should do this now. Yeah. Is what is your conjecture? You're not going to be held to this. Okay. It's not a court of law. You've <laughs> not been sworn in. What is your conjecture as to what is happening? I will go first. Since I asked the question. Yeah. He is getting rid of the shares. Yeah. Because he is getting involved in a different football club. Okay. And he is somehow talking with Nate about who does his hair and how it got so gray and how he can also get so gray. <laughs> That's what I think they're whispering about. Your turn, my friend. I think you got halfway there. What? He's buying. Oh, so you agree with the hair thing? No, no, no. I agree that he's selling his shares to be able to have some extra coin to he's buy another funeral presenting. Funeral <laughs> presenting his shares. I don't think he's giving them. I'm pretty sure he's getting something in return. Like he's selling his shares back to Rebecca, not giving them. She called it a funeral present. Well. All right. A little but, this, a little that. Go ahead. But I think it's the, it's the show setting us up. He's going to poach Nate, and Nate's going to be the coach for the new soccer club. And he's going to park the bus he's at that park the bus, yeah. new soccer club. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know what club he's going to buy. Um, I don't know. I'll make. I'll take a guess. Let's say he buys Newcastle. Okay, so Newcastle, obviously the beer. Um, yeah. So do you think 
the earlier issue where you made a comment about him prematurely growing gray or like the gray coming out. This is because Nate is conniving with Rupert. So they've had previous conversations and he's leaving Richmond to go join another club. That would be my sense. Yes. Based based on like, like what I, and maybe I should have done this because I looked at an internet article that said like, I'm like, why in the heck is Nate's hair gray? And he mentioned like, because he's, um, I can't remember what the words were or whatever, but uh, I think it is. I think it's the show, like, because Rupert's obviously an older guy with gray hair, gray beard, or goatee, or whatever he's got. He's got a goatee. I think he's got an evil goatee. Um, but I think it's, like, the show morphing Nate into a villain, like we mentioned in the previous episodes. <laughs> evil goatee. That's 100%. All my goatees are evil. My wife goes, is that a different actor? <laughs> I was like, no, that's that's Rupi. That's the Rupi we know and love. He's just got facial hair now. All right, so uh, only time will tell whether or not you're right, whether or not I'm right, whether or not it was about hair dye or whether or not it was about um, Nate going to a different Maybe some club. kind of like ritual, like they shave Rupi's hair off and, and glued it to his head. What? They they shaved Rupert's hair because he's got gray. Sure. And then they... Uh, put it on rit- Nate's head. Ritualistically put it on Nate's hair. Okay, yeah, that's different yeah. than what you said, but I'm on board now. <laughs> Uh, then we cut to the funeral reception. Uh, Sam pulls Rebecca into, uh, they call it not a closet, a cupboard. Um, uh, tea, tea closet, tea cozy. Yeah. Tea cozy. That's what they <laughs> call know. it. And Sam does this thing where he goes, I've wanted to do this all day. And you think he's going to do like a deep kiss, kiss or something. And he just hugs her. It's a hug. She's and a hug. it's like, why can Sam not find love? All I want, I want Sam to go on. He can't find love, man. He found love. I want Sam to go on uh, Lust Conquers All <laughs> and just crush it. I don't think that's uh, uh, Sam's alley. It's <laughs> more of Jamie. Sam would be like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be here. <laughs> Who's your sponsor? Ceruleum Oil. I'm out. <laughs> um, and Sassy goes for Ted, which they leave the funeral together with. Um, yeah, Dan, yeah, they do. And Beard says, oh, 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 as Sassy approaches Ted, Beard is talking with him, and Beard recognizes that I need to get myself and this gentleman out of this room. And he goes, oh, uh, me and Billy here, we're just going to go discuss 1966. (laughs) Did you catch that line? Uh, I didn't catch the line until I watched it the second time. Subtitles. There you go, baby. Which, Which made me think and ponder, what could they be talking about? What big events happened in 1966? Uh, the 60s were a big, okay. big era, so... It had to have been either Vietnam protests. Sure. Could have been talking about that. Could have been pro-Vietnam. I don't know. We don't know. We don't, we know. don't know. Could have. Uh, Maybe they been. were very hawkish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they could have been talking about the Miranda rights being established. Oh, Those wow. Those were established in 1966. Look at this learning. Uh, the the miniskirt craze really boomed. Oh, man. In, uh, I wish it would come back. Uh, and Star Trek premiered. And this guy... That's probably what they're He's kind of like about. a Trekkie. Yeah, He's all those like other Trekkie. things are secondary to yeah. uh, Star Trek. Gotta be Star Trek. Danny <laughs> comes down the stairs. Once again, a little bit of levity at yeah. a funeral. Cuts Rebecca off, trying to go then tell Sam. Danny comes down in what I assumed were her childhood slippers. Uh, those don't were those an adult person slippers? They were adult slippers. Well, I don't know. They were, they were like leopard print pink. No, I think they were like hearts, maybe pink, pink and pink hearts. Okay, fluffy. Regardless, they, they were, were probably, wonderful. Or probably left at her home. Tom, Christmas is coming up. I wear size eleven. <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> Jamie, then 
once again, this caught me off guard. Jamie comes up to Keely and he says, hey, I feel like I've become a better man, like my best self. He's super charming here, too. And he's like, hey, I know this is a crap thing to do, but yeah. I still love you. Yeah. Uh, and then he departs. Yeah. And then half a second later. Taps on her back. <laughs> and then who's there? Roy. Roy. Roy apologizes. <laughs> and th- I guess this is supposed to be Keely torn between Jamie uh, revealing the triangle. Oh, triangle. It's the diamond dog triangle, huh? <laughs> Roy that. apologizes. And he's like, listen, death makes me uncomfortable. He's like, when my grandpa died, he's like, I prayed and prayed, like just to have another conversation with him. And he says, I wish this phrase was more appropriate, but he's like, I got F all, which just the way he delivers that is is great and quite sad. And he's like, we only have one life to live and I don't want to waste a second of it. I love you, Keely. Mm -hmm. I I I do enjoy the way they shot this because when Jamie comes in and starts kind of confessing his love, it starts playing the piano music and getting all like serious. And then it cuts and stops. Keely's like deer in a headlights. And then Roy taps on her, and then the music goes silent. Roy taps on her shoulder. Roy starts apologizing, and we get that full house-style music start up again. Right. So you get it kind of played twice. It's I was funny. like, the way it happened so quickly, I was like, Roy heard what Jamie just said. Like, Roy's not going to let that go. But no. the way they played it is, Roy did he not hear, hear what Jamie yeah. heard, uh, what Jamie said. And then they move on. And uh, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. So when it did come at the end of an episode, I was like, why are we adding drama to drama? Why are we... I was like, what's happening here? Yeah. And so... I think it's just, I mean, it's just drama. They wanted uh, funerals do things to people. And clearly the funeral had an effect on Jamie. And Jamie felt like he needed to confess his love. Jamie was like, he should have said, we've only got one life to live and I don't want to waste a second of it. I want you back. And then Roy should have said the same thing. And that would have been great. <laughs> she started saying, I don't want to miss a thing from uh, Armageddon. Bust out some Aerosmith. Ooh, now there's a band. <laughs> Old Phil Collins. All right. Um, this is this is when Sam steals Rebecca. Earlier it was Rebecca trying to go to Sam. This is oh, we get she's trying to find him, right? Yes. So then, this is where they're in the closet. She breaks up with him, and um, like she's like saying, "Oh, you're you're wonderful," and he's like, "But," he's like, "Oh no, not but." I okay. hate big butts, and I cannot lie, <laughs> which is good. Uh, but this is it shows the difference read between... the room sam <laughs> yeah. not not the best time for a a sir mix a lot uh joke that's great i loved it so sam's sam um, i bet sam walked out of that closet and was like she broke up with me because i made that dumb joke <laughs> um but i do like the setup where like she's saying that you're scared um of being hurt and sam is not and it's her like she needs to figure out like how she's going to deal with this in, in terms of being hurt. And I, and maybe it's that age difference or life experience or whatever. Um, but clearly Sam is, is in it for the long haul and saying like, Hey, I'll, I'll be here waiting for you. So uh, yeah. We'll I don't understand. Happens. You're rejecting something that could be wonderful out of the mm-hmm. fear that it might not be. Yep. I don't understand as a, as a, uh, a classic romantic myself, you just got to dive in, you know? <laughs> Um, Speaking of classic, are they are they over? This is classic Sam and Diane. (laughs) I mean, it's got to be said, right? (laughs) Sam and Diane, on again, off again. Classic Sam and Rebecca. I think this show may have changed it to now it's Sam and Rebecca. 
Maybe Diane, maybe that baby, the baby Diane. Maybe she's going to play in this love triangle somehow. That might. That's a good point. <laughs> good point. Maybe that's why they named the baby Diane. Uh, and then Ted is talking with uh, Rebecca and Deborah, and he brings up a memory where he apparently met her. This was not in the show, right? This so, is a no. off-camera memory where he talks about um, for an older gentleman, he did like all of the moves from singing in the rain mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. And Deborah makes the comment, like one of the things he loved to do is try and make uh, Rebecca laugh. Yeah. And Love so yep. it's an interesting. Um, the one Rebecca thanks, thanks him for it. Thanks Ted. Like, Hey, I forgot about that memory. Right. Thank you for that. Right. <clears throat> and then they are back in Rebecca's room and they pop in, they're looking at old pictures um, and they pop in a home video. It's of Rebecca in like a bowl, using it as a pool, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Yeah. And then, and Rebecca even warns her. She's like, ah, oh, I probably taped over this. Yeah. And then what did she tape over it with? This comes Rick Roll. This is where you get him coming in and saying all the stories. Rick Rolled with Rick Astley. Never going to give you up. This is actually the first time I watched the whole music video after this episode. Oh, I went you? on YouTube and watched it. That guy's dancing is oh. out of this world. It's like, the, like, is it 80s? Is it early 90s? No, it's 80s, is right? It's 80s, okay. Gotta yeah, be 80s. His clothes, his dress, he's just this skinny white guy just kind of flailing around. I love how Deborah makes the comment, I thought he was black. <laughs> great line. Because Rebecca's like, you got a thing for him. Like, oh, I thought he was... Yeah, so I enjoyed this episode. I am interested to see what happens with Rupee and Nate, where where they go, and and I think you're on the right track. Because we got two. They're... This was ten. We've got twelve episodes, right? So we've got we got two more. I'm assuming we're gonna find out. Obviously, what happens with Nate? That'll maybe be in the last episode. This penultimate episode, the next one coming up. I'd imagine they're gonna do some sort of. We got to bring it back to the soccer and see where the club is gonna go because they haven't really talked about like the club's direction. They did that in the first two or three episodes. And then they've just kind of sprinkled in some soccer, but didn't really tell us to your point you brought up is the story of Ted Lasso, them re redeeming themselves, going back to the Premier League and winning it all, or does the show not care about it? I right. Think we'll, we'll find out probably in the next episode. Right. Yep. So the next one will be episode 11 of season two, which was called The Grave. Bearded Nate guy. I didn't think of an episode title yet. There it is. The gray bearded Nate guy, coach of Newcastle. Yeah, sure. Why not? Manager of Newcastle, Nailed as it. they call it. Uh, thank you for joining us. I have been Julian. And I have always been Tom. If you guys enjoy our podcast, please rate us on the podcast. That helps get us some notoriety. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, we are active on the Twitter. And you can reach out to us at Team Binge on Twitter and via email at TeamBingePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. Have yourself a wonderful day. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. The song just gets stuck in your head, don't it? Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs>